Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome back after that long weekend. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Welcome to The Inner Life, our program here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app that deals with spiritual direction. And did you ever grow up watching any of those courtroom television shows where you you see all the facts and the clues as they're being discovered? You journey along with the detective or the attorney or whoever it is as they piece things together and solve the puzzle. My mom, she loves mystery. She has shelves full of all kinds of mystery novels, and she would watch those kinds of television shows. I grew up seeing everything from the old black and white Perry Mason to Murder, She Wrote, and so many others. And while I usually don't really care for courtroom dramas, if it's a well-told story, it's hard not to get pulled into the suspense and one of my favorite courtroom movies is A Few Good Men, and that stars Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. And Tom Cruise, he's in the role of Lieutenant Daniel Caffey, a military lawyer who's working as the defense counsel for two different Marines who are they've been charged with the murder of a fellow Marine, William Santiago. As the audience, you see right at the very beginning of the movie what really has happened, that the death of Santiago... It was the result of a hazing ritual called a Code Red. And then there's this cover-up on the base where Santiago was stationed. And the story leads up to the commanding officer of the base, Colonel Nathan Jessup, and he's played by Jack Nicholson. He gets called to testify in court. And that's the real story. Whether the corrupt colonel and those who are following his orders, whether they'll get away with the crime or if the truth will be discovered. So once Colonel Jessup is up on the stand there, Lieutenant Caffey, he starts to talk about little details, starts asking about details of the colonel's travel habits, what he packed, phone calls he made. Here's a little part from that movie. This is a record of all telephone calls made from your base in the past 24 hours. After being subpoenaed to Washington, you made three calls and highlighted those calls in yellow. Do you recognize those numbers, sir? I called Colonel Fitzhughes in Quantico, Virginia. I wanted to let him know that I would be in town. The second call was to arrange a meeting with Congressman Richmond of the House Armed Services Committee. And the third call was to my sister, Elizabeth. Why did you make that call, sir? I thought she might like to have dinner tonight. Your Honor, I'm going to put a stop to this. Your Honor, these are the telephone records from Gitmo for September 6th. And these are 14 letters that Santiago wrote in nine months, requesting, in fact, begging for a transfer. Upon hearing the news, that he was finally getting his transfer. Santiago was so excited that do you know how many people he called? Zero. Nobody. Not one call to his parents saying he was coming home. Not one call to a friend saying, can you pick me up at the airport? 
He was asleep in his bed at midnight, and according to you, he was getting on a plane in six hours. Yet everything he owned was hanging neatly in his closet and folded neatly in his footlocker. You were leaving for one day. You packed a bag and made three phone calls. Santiago was leaving for the rest of his life, and he hadn't called a soul, and he hadn't packed a thing. When you watch the movie, you can see the members of the jury, and you can see the reaction of the judge, and at this moment in the story, they all begin to realize that there might be something more to this trial than they first thought. Something doesn't seem right. Santiago, he would have likely prepared, at least in some way, some small way, to leave the base early the next morning. Taking that time to prepare, that's key in so many areas of life. If you have that presentation at work, maybe you're practicing for the big game or rehearsing for some musical recital, you have to take time to prepare. And yesterday began a season of preparation for us as Catholics. Advent is a time to prepare for the coming of Christ. And that's what we want to discuss today here on The Inner Life. We want to focus on how, we want to talk about how we can keep our focus on Advent, how we should be using these next four weeks to prepare for Christmas. And joining us as our spiritual director for the hour, a regular voice you hear on Relevant Radio each day through his prayer reflections, and a regular guest here on The Inner Life as well as Morning Air, uh, Father James Kabicki is back with us once again. He's the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in western South Dakota. Uh, Father, so glad to have you back here on the program today. Thank you, Josh. It's uh, wonderful to be part of the program as we enter into this uh, season of Advent. It's one of my favorite seasons. I think after all the long weeks of ordinary time, it's nice to uh, enter into something special like Advent and as we prepare for Christmas. Well, and one of the things, you know, yesterday at Mass, during the Gospel reading for that first Sunday of Advent, I got to thinking it might have struck some people as different than what they might have expected. It wasn't about the Archangel Gabriel coming to tell Mary that she would be the mother to Jesus. It wasn't about Joseph. It wasn't about uh, Zechariah and the angel coming and saying that he, his wife Elizabeth is going to have a son, John the Baptist. It wasn't about any of that. Yesterday, we have the Gospel reading, and it's taken from St. Luke's Gospel, and it's in the chapter of St. Luke's Gospel that immediately precedes the Last Supper, the agony in the garden, Jesus' arrest. And in that reading, we hear Jesus talking about the end times, when he'll come again. And the warning that Jesus gives to be vigilant, to be on watch, so we're not caught off guard, it might seem a little out of place. Why did we begin Advent with this gospel reading yesterday? That's a great question, Josh. And uh, actually, looking at all three of the readings that we had, Jeremiah, and then uh, one of Paul's letters to the Thessalonians, and then Luke's Gospel. In all three of those readings, we have the word coming, and uh, that's what Advent means. It's uh, from the Latin word for come, to come in, uh, coming. And uh, so in, in all three of those readings, we have a sense of, of Jesus coming. And of course, the first reading from Jeremiah uh, would refer to the first coming of Jesus, that the Son of God was going to come as the Savior. And so there's the, the sense of the, the people of Israel in the Old Testament longing, waiting for a Messiah to come. 
and and so that's this preparation for the first coming, uh, the many years in which the people of Israel were longing for the Savior to come. And then in the Gospel, Jesus, and in the second reading from Thessalonians, we're reminded of uh, the second coming of Jesus, which uh, every time we recite the Creed at Mass, we say that you know we believe in this second coming of Jesus, that he will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. And so um, that's, I think, the reason why we have both of those readings on the first Sunday of Advent, is to remind us that we're uh, preparing for Christmas, which was Jesus' first coming, but in doing so, we're also preparing for that second coming of Jesus. And I like to remind listeners that, you know, it, it may not be in our lifetime that Jesus comes definitively to establish his kingdom once and for all. But each of us will, at the end of our lives, meet Jesus. He will come to us at the end of our lives, and we will then uh, face him uh, and basically present him with the life that we have lived and um, it, in a sense, we will be our own judge because we will see our lives, I believe, um, almost like a movie. You know, we'll see our life flash before us and, and we'll be able to uh, assess for ourselves, now, how have I lived this life as I meet the one who uh, leads me into eternal life? Um, so those, those are the, the two aspects, I think, of the second coming. Yes, it, it involves the end of the world, but um, for uh, I would imagine for most of us it will will mean Jesus coming to us at the end of our lives, and so we need to be vigilant and be prepared. And hopefully every Advent, when we prepare to celebrate Christmas, also prepares us for that second coming of Jesus. It, almost as if this season of Advent is helping us to look back and look forward at the same time, so that looking back and looking forward can impact how we're living in the present moment. That's a great way of putting it, Josh, you know, because we are people who remember. Jesus said, uh, do this in remembrance of me. And, and so there's that sense of, of remembering. Uh, but then also looking forward to, okay, how am I going to live my life now? Um, what decisions am I going to make? Um, St. Ignatius in his spiritual exercises says that if we're trying to get some clarity uh, for a major decision or choice in our life, then it, it's one way of getting some clarity for that is to imagine ourselves at the end of our lives looking back and thinking, what do I wish I had done at that moment? You know, how do I want to live my life so that I will be prepared to meet Jesus at the end of my life? And so you're right, those two go together, looking back and looking forward. And that helps us live the present moment uh, with a, a greater attentiveness and vigilance, as Jesus calls us to in the gospel. Well, and, and we want to go into some, you know, practical ways that we can, uh, uh, you know, live this season of Advent. But one other thing that might be worth noting briefly uh, is that in the liturgical calendar of the Church, we started a new year with the beginning of Advent yesterday. When we hit January 1st, you know, secularly, mm. we commonly talk about making resolutions for the new year, uh, starting good behaviors, maybe stopping some bad habits that we have. So with us being in this new year for the church, is there anything that we should keep in mind from that standpoint, anything that will help us to grow spiritually? Is it a good time to make some spiritual resolutions? 
Yeah, that's a great idea, Josh, because uh, you're right. You, usually when people approach the, the turn of the calendar year, there's a sense of, well, I'm going to start this new year with uh, uh, resolutions. How do I want to live the, the the coming year of 2022? But you're right. We did start a whole new liturgical year. And so during this particular liturgical year, cycle C with the Sunday readings, we'll be following the Gospel of Luke as we did this past Sunday. And so it it might be a a good time, especially because uh, Advent has that sense of um, not quite, it's like a little Lent, it's not quite the same as Lent, but we do wear the violet vestments to remind us that there is a certain penitential aspect to this time of Advent. And so it it could be, I think, a very good time for us to consider uh, how is my life going? How am I doing? Am I on track with where I want to be in my life and in my relationship with God and my relationships with other people? And, you know, to to spend this time of, of Advent, beginning this new liturgical year with that in mind, I think can prepare us then for what people are more commonly engaged in, which is making those New Year's resolutions for the secular New Year. Right. Well, and so let's also talk, you you mentioned that Advent, the, the purple vestments, we have that as a sign that this is supposed to be a time of penance, a penitential season. Lent is that other penitential season that we have in the church calendar. But with Lent, we have three specific areas that we're supposed to focus on. We have uh, fasting. We spend time fasting from something. Might be food, might be other things that we enjoy. Time that we spend praying. And then we give alms to the poor. So those are very, very commonly referenced during Lent. I don't know if I've ever heard anything as far as specific penitential practices or uh, those same sorts of pillars that we talk about during Lent. When it comes to Advent, do we have any specific types of penitence that we are called to practice? You know, not the way that we do with Lent. You're you're right. I, I have not heard people, you know, say, well, this is you know the the way we we do lent with um more prayer with fasting with almsgiving uh, those are all great penitential practices that one could also uh use in advent but i i am hard pressed to think of anyone ever saying to me well this is what we should be doing in advent at the same time i think you know what uh makes advent particularly challenging is that we begin celebrating christmas <laughs> long before we get to Christmas. I know. Yeah, and, this past Friday, it, it was, yep, Thanksgiving's mm-hmm. over, <laughs> and yeah. let's start celebrating Christmas. I, You know, that, that always seems to be the case where, um, you know, you do that. And then December 26th comes, and okay, Christmas is over, pack everything away and look ahead to other things. How, how has that mindset taken hold in our society? It doesn't seem to be quite the same way with Easter. Lent has really kind of held up. And with mm-hmm. Holy Week, you know, I, I was I was talking with my uh, 13-year-old daughter yesterday, and we were talking about Advent. And she was trying to understand how how is this time right now, how is it different from Christmas itself? Because it is a bit hard to differentiate. And I asked her to imagine during Lent, especially during Holy Week, how we as a family 
okay, you know, we give up chocolates or candy or other sweets or desserts during Lent, and how she would feel if she went through Holy Week eating chocolate Easter bunnies and jelly beans and chocolate eggs and all of those. And she didn't like that image at all. She said it seemed disrespectful to her. Mm -hmm. Uh, Easter should be celebrated Easter Sunday and forward. And, you know, I agreed with her and said, yeah, absolutely. That's, but Advent, it doesn't seem to have that same sort of clear cut delineation in our culture. Is that something you think we can get back? Is it something that we just have to practice on our own? That does seem a lot, a lot more difficult with Advent than it does with Lent. Yes, it's extremely difficult because, um, you know, out in, in the world we live in, we're bombarded with the Christmas music and all kinds of uh, preparations for Christmas. But also there's Christmas parties. And so if, if someone is going to uh, fast or give up a particular item, um, the, already, you know, the Christmas cookies are, are, are coming on the scene and candies and things. So um, we have the Feast of St. Nicholas on, on the 6th of December, which I remember, you know, putting out a stocking and getting uh, my favorite candy at the time, chocolate-covered cherries. Um, and and so all of that kind of gets in the way. Plus, the other thing that I would hope, you know, we try to make more a part of our Advent is some slowing down and praying, spiritual reading, um, something that can can slow down the pace of all the Christmas preparations, because this becomes such a busy time of year that um, if people want to devote more time to prayer in preparation for Christmas, that is even more challenging. So in some ways, it's it's probably easier to be more penitential during Lent than it is in Advent, and our penances during Advent are oh, let's say, more efficacious, more powerful, because they're facing those challenges that, uh, that we have in our secular world. Mm. Our spiritual director, Father James Kubicki, he's the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in western South Dakota. You hear his prayer reflections every single day here on Relevant Radio. Today, talking about uh, helping us to keep Advent as Advent, not to jump ahead into Christmas season yet. And what do you do in your home to help you focus on the season of Advent, not get too far ahead in celebrating Christmas before the actual season of Christmas? What are some of those Advent traditions that you've developed over the years? What are the ways that you've taken time to prepare yourself for Christ's coming? What has worked for you? for your family. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And you can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we'll continue talking with Father Jim Kabicki here in just a moment on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Father James Kubicki, director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in western South Dakota. And today talking about keeping Advent, Advent, not <laughs> going too far down the road to Christmas. And what do you do in your home? Uh, whether you're on your own, 
Maybe you have young kids. Maybe your kids are grown and out of the house. But what have you done to help you focus on the season of Advent and not jump ahead into celebrating Christmas before Christmas Day? What are some of those different Advent traditions that you've developed over the years, uh, ways that you have prepared yourself for the coming of Christ, uh, both looking back at the coming of Christ into the world at Christmas, and then again, as Father talked about in the last segment, about how we prepare ourselves for the second coming of Christ. And our studio line is 888-914-9149, Also, I might recommend that you sign up for Father Rocky, uh, our, spirit, our, our uh, executive director here at Relevant Radio. He has Advent inspirations that are being emailed out to anybody who signs up, emailed completely free, and they're just short reflections on Advent, a new one every day sent to you. And you can do that. Just go to Relevant Radio radio.com slash advent. You can also sign up on the relevant radio app and just uh, give us your email and your name and we'll send those to you every day through advent. I got the first couple yesterday and today and it's not too late for you to sign up. You can still do that again, relevantradio.com slash advent or on the relevant radio app. And uh, again, our studio line, if you'd like to join the conversation, 888-914-9149. And Father, you were talking about how uh, the penitential, uh, the penances that we do in our own lives during the season of Advent might be even more efficacious because of the fact that it it's more difficult. The other thing that comes to my mind is during the season of Advent, we have friends and family that are giving us, you know, you talked about the chocolate-covered cherries you'd get as a kid. Uh, we've got friends who are bringing over Christmas cookies or fudge or sending us gift boxes with all kinds of other, you know, chocolates or goodies or whatever it might be. And there's all this generosity. There's all this gift-giving. And so naturally, there's gratitude and, you know, there's the the appreciation for the love and the relationships that are associated with those gifts. But it really seems to me that it feeds into a season that promotes a bit of overindulgence. And so not only is it maybe a little more difficult to practice some aspects of penance, it's it seems just diametrically opposed to it. So on the overindulgence side, any advice on how to really guard against that during uh, Advent? While at the same time, not seeming ungrateful, not being, you know, uh, a bit of a Scrooge or a stick in the mud when mm-hmm. people are being generous and giving those gifts to you. Yeah. Well, you know, part of it, uh, I think, um, is, you know, the difference between Advent and Lent. Uh, Advent has a much more of a sense of, of joy connected with it. For example, we don't uh, stop singing the Alleluia verse before the gospel, whereas we don't use the word Alleluia at all during Lent. And so Advent should be a joyful season as well, um, remembering the, the great gift that we were given in Jesus as we prepare for his birthday. Um, and so part of that, you know, is, is the Christmas cheer that spills over into Advent. I, I think probably the, the best way to approach it is you're right. You don't want to, um, you know, be someone who doesn't share the joy that other people are trying to share with you in a secular way. Um, so to graciously receive, say, the 
gifts of cookies or whatever it may be, to go to an office party or whatever is going on and to participate. But I think the, the challenge then is to do so in a, in a way that is moderate, whereas some people are clearly tempted to overindulge, to indulge but not to overindulge and to be moderate in our use of, of sweets and, and alcohol or whatever else is, is part of the celebration that's already going on. And, you know, I think um, there's something to be said for, you know, uh, when somebody gives us uh, a special Christmas treat and, and we try it and take it home, you know, to freeze the cookies or, or whatever it may be for um, our celebration after the actual mm-hmm. birthday of Jesus. And so to try it and to let people know you're grateful um, and and to tell them, you know, that you appreciate the, what they're doing for you, um, but then, you know, maybe quietly uh, freeze some of those treats that you could use later. Well, another thing that uh, an old pastor at a parish we used to attend, he would do is he would take those gifts and very graciously receive them, and then he would just pass them on to somebody that he thought might be able to use it more than he could or, you know, somebody mm-hmm. who needed whatever it was. And uh, I, I saw him do that again and again and again. And he, he really, uh, you know, he was a diocesan priest, uh, wasn't, didn't take a vow of poverty, but really lived out that kind of spiritual poverty and didn't, didn't have that attachment to those gifts that were coming his way. Yeah, and that's often, you know, the case for uh, diocesan priests. Uh, parishioners want to show their appreciation, and so they may inundate the priest with all kinds of, of, of treats and gifts, and, you know, one can only eat so much, um, and uh, for him then to share it with others, that's a great way to do it, and uh, that's a good suggestion for all of us, that um, we yeah. may receive the gift graciously, uh, test it out so that we can tell people truthfully that that it tasted really good, and then to share um, the rest of it with people who don't, uh, who aren't as fortunate as we are. Our spiritual director, Father James Kavicki, and taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. What are some of the ways that you have been able to keep Advent as Advent, not get too far ahead in celebrating Christmas? And uh, what are some of those Advent traditions that you have developed in your home, in your family over the years? 888-914-9149 is the studio line, 888 And Father, we've got Stephanie who's listening to us in Pennsylvania. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for calling in today. Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, so I guess some of the traditions that I've done when my children were much smaller um, well, we've always lit an Advent wreath, um, and we keep the house non-decorated until shortly before Christmas. Um, and when we would light the Advent wreath each night at dinner, we would sing a verse of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, because there's like eight of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oops, and, um, we don't listen to Christmas music either. My children know, even now, as older children, they know mom doesn't listen to Christmas music in the car, you know, until about a week or two before Christmas. Um, 
so, you know, we've always done things like that. When we put up our manger set, we would always um, just put up the manger and the animals and leave the leave Mary and Joseph out of the manger until closer to Christmas. And then the three kings would be like journeying through the house mm. to get to the manger for the epiphany. Um, so that was always something that we would do when they were little. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the point about not fasting, um, I don't know if either of you is old enough to remember, but it used to be that there were fasting days in Advent. Um, and so I've gone back to that liturgical calendar, um, so that I can do those fasting days. Um, so that's just a practice that I think is important to do, um, because there is such an emphasis on Christmas during Advent. So those are just some things that, that my family and I have done and that my husband and I do now as far as, as far as keeping Advent, Advent, um, is going back to the, um, liturgical calendar prior to the Second Vatican Council so that we can keep those fast days. Well, Stephanie, yeah. thanks so much for calling in. And Father, I, I mean, she brought up so many different aspects there that we kind of delve into. Um, so maybe we could uh, spend some time and talk about some of these different things, give some some explanation uh, on things that she brought up, you know, Advent wreaths, nativity sets, um, some of those different uh, things there. Um, e- even, you know, not decorating so early. You know, one of the things that the priest at Mass that was giving the homily yesterday said he kind of broke his own rule just uh uh, with COVID this year, but that in the past he's had a very hard and fast rule that uh, he doesn't really decorate in his rectory for Christmas until uh, the few days before Christmas. Um, you know, some of this might sound like, oh, Josh and Father Jim, they're just wanting to take all the joy out of the season, and I don't want that to come across here. That shouldn't be the case. Uh, it's more just wanting us to not get too far ahead of ourselves and to remember what Advent is. Yes. No, that's that's very good. And, you know, just to comment on Stephanie's suggestions, which are, are really good, you know, to um, to have an Advent wreath as part of the dinner table, um, there are all kinds of, of ways to, to have an Advent wreath. Uh, one can make one oneself, or there are different uh, Catholic bookstores and companies that, that provide those. Um, that's, that's a good way of following the four weeks of Advent, lighting a different candle each night. That's a great idea. I think um, being subdued in the decorations, maybe you know putting up a Christmas tree but not decorating it, um, until Gaudete Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent, and then to start putting some decorations on. I like the idea of having the the uh, nativity scene, um, as it were, kind of orchestrating the movement of Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem, to have an empty stable, uh, and then gradually to bring in the figures 
so that the shepherds don't arrive until Christmas Eve and the kings or magi don't arrive until uh, January 6th or the, the Feast of the Epiphany, which will be very early this year. It'll be on the 2nd of January. Um, and and I think, you know, um, I have looked for and have found in different places Advent music, which is very beautiful. The Besides the song that I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with, the O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, there, there are a number of other beautiful songs that are part of, of Advent and uh, the days in preparation for Christmas. And so um, I have, from time to time, found, as I may be writing Christmas cards to people, I will um, uh, listen to the Advent music while I'm doing that. And uh, so those are just some of the other ways that, uh, to just add those great suggestions from Stephanie. Um, The fasting part, I know, you know, I spent uh, one... um, one about nine ten months, I uh, had a sabbatical at an Eastern uh, Catholic Byzantine monastery, and uh, we began um, the Advent fast in the middle of November, so that it was actually forty days. So it really was like a little Lent. Um, and uh, I think I can't remember the names of those particular days during Advent. Uh, whether it was rogation days, I don't think they were ember days. Those are usually in the fall. But um, to have some day, whether it's Wednesday or Friday, uh, Friday, again, with office parties and things might be a little more difficult, but to, to see Wednesday as a day to um, maybe fast a little or uh, to stay away from sweets, uh, to do that in, in a, a gentle, quiet way that doesn't draw attention to ourselves, um, I think that's important too. So I'm I'm grateful for all those suggestions, and uh, hopeful our hopefully some of our listeners might have some other ones as well. You know, one of the other things that you uh, uh, you know, as you're talking about that season of fasting that you experienced, which made Advent kind of a a, a different experience, a second Lent that you went through. I know for our family, Easter, it just becomes this wonderful celebration and you celebrate all the more because you've been denying yourself all of these good things you've been going through that fasting and it really does make such a a stark difference between those two seasons and again not talking about taking the joy out of it but just a way to make that celebration even greater yeah and and to have it in a sense of uh, a quiet joy that leads up to the to the big joy, the celebration uh, of of Christmas, uh, as we gather with, with families and gift giving and and uh, enjoying good food together. Um, it, you're right; it does make it more. Um, we appreciate it more when we can l- lead up to those days with greater simplicity. Father James Kubicki is our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today, and our phone number that you can call and join the program, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. As we talk about some of those Advent traditions that we've developed in our own homes, what are the ways that you've taken that time to help you focus on Advent and keep Advent 
as the season it's supposed to be, not just let it kind of get lost in Christmas celebrations. 888-914-9149, or you can email us, relevantradio.com and we'll continue talking with Father Jim Kabicki in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Relevant Radio runs on horsepower. Your horsepower. Donate any vehicle and keep our stations running. Join in with hundreds of other listeners who have given their used vehicles at relevantradio.com slash car. Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, and today talking about Advent, keeping Advent, Advent, not letting it get lost in all of the Christmas celebration. And how do you do that in your home? How do you help keep that focus on the season of Advent? What are some of those Advent traditions that you've developed over the years? Uh, What are ways that you've taken that time to prepare yourself for Christ coming into the world? both looking back at Christmas and looking ahead to Christ's second coming. And our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father, right before we go back to the phones here, I thought maybe it would be good to offer a little bit of explanation on Advent wreaths because Stephanie had made mention of that and you had talked about, you know, lighting the different candles. Uh, you made reference to Gaudete Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent. If somebody's not familiar with an Advent wreath or maybe that word that you threw out there, Gaudete, uh, can you give us a little bit of explanation of what an Advent wreath is? Why it's, what's the significance of it lighting those different candles? Okay. Well, the circle is is always uh, seen as a a sacred uh, object. Actually, here among the Lakota Sioux that I I work with in South Dakota, uh, the circle is very important to them, and and it's used in in many different prayerful ways. And so to have the circle, which is in a sense a sign of of eternity, uh, because it has no beginning and no end, uh, to use that circle uh, as uh, as an Advent wreath, and to use green branches signifying um, again immortality, because um, even in the dead of winter we have evergreens; they stay green, and so there's a sense of of life even in the midst of of the dark and cold days of winter that we have here in the northern hemisphere, and so um, you, you that forms the basic wreath, but then there are the four candles representing the four weeks or four Sundays of of Advent, depending on uh, when Christmas comes, and uh, we'll have almost a a full fourth week of Advent because Christmas is on a Saturday this year, Um, depending on how long the uh, the weeks are you might have you know the first three weeks will be a full seven days but then the last week of Advent might be very short or longer as it is this year but each of those candles represents a different week of Advent and so we have uh, the first two weeks are uh, violet the third week is what is called Gaudete Sunday and it's a rose uh, colored candle. Uh, we also see that in Lent, where as we approach closer to Easter, uh, we soften the violet by using rose, and it's a way of saying we're, we're almost there. We're almost there 
uh, to Easter. Now, with Christmas, we're saying rejoice. Gaudete means it's the Latin rejoice, because we're getting very close to the birthday of our Savior. And then on the fourth Sunday of, of Advent, we have the fourth candle, which, again, is violet. And uh, so it, it's, it's a wonderful tradition that we use in our churches, but can also use in our domestic churches, uh, in our families. And just as a father, I will say that if you have younger children, they love <laughs> being able to, oh, can I light the candle? Oh, can I blow out the candle? And they get to do it every single night if you do it around the dinner table, as Stephanie had talked about. Uh, father, let's go back to the phones. Terry is listening to us in Philadelphia. Hi, Terry. Thanks for calling into the Inner Life today. Uh, hi, Josh. Thanks for taking my call. God bless you, Father, for your work. Uh, Thank you. I worked with the yeah, oh the missionaries of charity have a, a very sweet um, practice for Advent, preparing for Christmas. At the very beginning, the first Sunday, they put out just the empty crash in their chapel, and then and you can do this. I mean, it's as simple as anything. I'm sure it starts at homes. Um, a container of straw sits next to it, and each person throughout the day uh, tries to perform at least one act of love of neighbor, an act of charity. It can be physical, it can be, it can be spiritual, it can be a, a prayer for somebody, whatever. And for each of those acts, you take one piece of straw and you put it in the crash so that by the time Christmas morning rolls around, uh, the, the household has provided a nice, cushy little uh, bed for the Christ child to lay in. That's a great idea, Terry. I remember hearing a similar thing, and it's 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 great to hear that the missionaries of charity. I can't help thinking the missionaries of charity, being uh, the wonderful group that they are, um, the the manger by Christmas Eve is overflowing with straw. Yeah, that that's a great story, Terry, and thanks for sharing that. Um, Father, let's try and get a couple more phone calls on. Cindy is listening in St. Louis, Missouri. Hi, Cindy. You're on the Inner Life with Father James Kavicki. Thank you for, for taking my call. So this is actually um, the traditions that we've heard so far. I mean, are all traditions that we've had in our home over the year. But this is a tradition that my eldest daughter um, has put into place. So she puts up her Christmas tree um, December 1st. And then each day they add an ornament um, for a Jesse tree. And there's their ornaments that I think she printed them off online and she created these cute little ornaments and she creates a Jesse tree all the way up to Christmas. And then um, when the children go to bed Christmas Eve, um, then she and her husband decorate the Christmas tree. So when they wake up Christmas morning, it's all fully lit and Jesus is in the manger and the tree is now a Christmas tree. The Jesse tree becomes a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Cindy, could you explain to listeners what the Jesse tree involves, what, what those decorations would look like, and, and what that means, uh, Jesse tree? Oh, my. Well, I don't know that I'd be very good at explaining what the Jesse tree is, but each one has the scripture. It's a, it's a, it's a, I think you can find it online. She printed them off and laminated them and tied them with a ribbon, but each one has a scripture, and it starts with... Um, Jesse, the story of Jesse, and it goes all the way up to the birth of Jesus, and it's 
called the Jesse tree. And I imagine you'd be able to give a better explanation than me. But the children absolutely love creating this Jesse tree. And of course, it gives, gives them great, great scripture tying the Old Testament to the New Testament um, during the course of Advent. And um, so for the family, it's, it's like a scriptural um, walk during Advent. And um, the children really do love it. And they each, there's seven boys, and they each have their turn at putting the ornament on this Jesse tree. And uh, so I, I really don't know the history of the Jesse tree, mm-hmm. um, but it, I do think it's a lovely practice that they have. And they've done it at this point um, since they've had, since their first child. So it's, um, it's taken deep root in their home, and I know that it really helps prepare the children for Christmas. Yeah. Well, and, and as you pointed out, Jesse was uh, the father of King David, and we refer to Jesus as the son of David, that he's a descendant of David. So it's, it's a way of getting into the ancestry of Jesus and the, and the uh, Old Testament references. And I think what, what's so good about the way you describe it, too, is that it's a, a, a great way to introduce children and our families, uh, to introduce them to more scripture and so especially with the prophet Isaiah, um, where we get the prophecy that a shoot shall sprout from Jesse. And so um, it's, it is a, a, a great tradition. Thank you for uh, reminding us of this one. Yeah, thanks for calling in, Cindy. And uh, Father, as we're getting towards the end of the program here with just a few minutes left, if somebody's listening and, you know, they're, they're saying, well, I I want to be able to dive a little bit more into Advent and what, you know, makes Advent distinct from Christmas, especially as the church teaches maybe from some of the saints or some of the uh, fathers of the church. Any recommendations on where somebody might be able to turn maybe a book or a website that they could learn more about what the church uh, teaches regarding Advent? Well, I think, you know, in terms of websites, there's... Um a number of them that go through the divine office, the breviary, that uh, uh, take rich readings from Isaiah and and then also have commentary uh, from uh, the fathers of the church and and different saints and and so uh, that's a way of praying with the church. Uh, for myself, Josh, I, I sent away last minute, so I, I ordered it with a priority mail, and it came on Friday. But there's a book that the Pauline Books and Media, um, these are the daughters of St. Paul. They have a whole uh, ministry of providing books and media. And I just uh, read about a book called Memento Mori by Sister Therese Alethea Noble. And it goes through the scripture readings, the gospel of each day during Advent, but it does a little reflection on memento mori, which is a Latin word for uh, remember your death. Now that may seem the opposite of the joy that we want to have, but remember we said that part of Advent is anticipating the second coming of Jesus, whether that is at the end of the world or when he comes to us at the end of our lives. And so I, I was really taken with that idea of using that book myself during uh, the season of Advent and, and doing so in a way that, uh, you know, helps me remember that I need a Savior. You know, the whole point of, of Advent is a sense of longing. I need a Savior to save me from sin and ultimately from death. 
And so uh, to to bring that kind of reflection into my Advent uh, prayer, I thought would be a good idea this year. One other thing you mentioned, too, and I wanted to go back to this, uh, you mentioned finding Advent music, um, you know, more than just O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Uh, where did you find the Advent music if somebody wants to listen to that over the coming two, three weeks? Well, I'm sure you could go online and find it, but there, I know there was years ago, I think they've changed their name, but Magdalene College out of New Hampshire had a, a CD of different Advent hymns. And then um, the uh, Madonna House movement out of Canada did a, also did uh, a beautiful um, uh, CD of Advent music and with, also with readings. Um, so those are the two that I'm familiar with. Now, these go back quite a few years, at least 15 or so years. Um, but I'm sure there are, are more contemporary um, uh, CDs that are available as well now. Excellent. Well, lots of lots of resources out there available. And again, uh, today as we talk about Advent and we're down to our last about 30 seconds here, Father, could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a blessing as we conclude the hour? I'm happy to do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. And we ask that during this Advent season, our hearts may long for him in a deeper way, that we might celebrate his first coming and be ready for his coming at the end of our life, the end of our world. And may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Kabicki. And of course, if you missed any part of the hour earlier, you can go back and listen to the entire show at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app where you can find the podcast. And stay tuned. We've got Father Matt Simonar, who's going to be celebrating Mass coming up here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Tomorrow, we'll talk with Father Ed Broom about the joyful mysteries of the rosary.